Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through to chapter 4, verse 1. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So, what do you like when you're at home? Sometimes the nice friendly man, the nice loving husband, the encouraging dad that the church know and that the public get to see, when he's home he might be a completely different bloke. He might be the sort of bloke who yells at his kids, ignores his wife, uh, or worst. Or the happy, obliging wife that everybody knows when she's out in public might be the whinging, nagging, cranky woman at home. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. (laughs) Um, This is what's called hypocrisy. Uh, Hypocrisy is when we put on a mask to present ourselves as a different person to what we really are. And usually the ones who know us best, the ones who know us when we don't have our masks on, are those we live with. Now, there's been been a few times that our family have taken a border into our home. And that's actually quite a confronting thing when all of a sudden you've got this new person in your house and it's it's not just for a few days like visitors, or not just for a few weeks even, it's for a long time. And, and I've always been acutely aware that, okay, somebody else is getting an inside view of what the Brumpton household is really like, not, not the one that we put on when we have you over to visit. Because um, we're actually much nicer when, when, uh, when you're not there. Uh, but, but I guess I've always been aware that the question is, Is the father that my children know the same as the bloke that you know at church? And you can ask Jake that later. I think the answer is probably not. And so Paul's been talking about how we take off self and we put on Christ. And we've just had an image of what this looks like in the Christian church as we studied over the last couple of weeks. But but today is where we realise that like this is where it really strikes home that what he's talking about here isn't something which is pretend. It's not a mask that we put on for a day. This truly is a change of the heart. If Christianity is Christ living in me, um, then the ones that I live with are going to notice Christ living in me. And so today we get an image of Christ-likeness in the home. And what I really notice here in all of this section is it's not about self. Um, Self has been taken off 
And so it's about Christ, and it's about Christ in us, and it's about us serving the other for the sake of Christ, whether the other person deserves it or not. It's us being Christ-like to them. So um, he begins with a word to the wives, which is the one that you're all reluctant to read this morning. Um, now, about this time last year, actually, I had a look, and it's actually almost to the week, I think it's only about two or three weeks different to um, today. Um, a full year ago, we were in 1 Peter chapter 3, and it begins in a very similar way. And some of you might remember the um, workplace health and safety initiative that I took and wore my motorbike helmet uh, whilst we started off that sermon. I didn't do that today because jokes get old really quick, so I've been told. And most of my jokes apparently got old a long time ago. But verse 18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. There you go. I've said it. Get over it. Um, but it's actually a really good thing. And we're going to see this as we, as we go. Now, I'm going to start out with a truth that isn't... It used to be quite recognised, but these days people aren't so quick to notice this. But, but men and women are different have you noticed this? Men and women are different. Husbands and wives are different. Within a marriage, the role of the husband and the role of the wife are different, quite different. Now, that doesn't mean that one is better than the other because they're not. We're just different. Now, to submit means to be subject to. Now, if you're married... You know as well as I do uh, that husbands and wives don't always agree. Is that, is that true for your family? Mm, I'm seeing some noddings of heads and some, some very shy looking downs at the feet. Okay. Part of the marriage relationship is we work together. Right? We work together for the good of the other. But there was always going to be some times when we disagree with each other. So what happens when we come to an impasse? So in the marriage where, yeah, I think we should be going this direction, I think we should do this, and we disagree, what happens? Do we not make a decision? And by so doing, we make a decision? Or do, how do we decide? Well, I'll tell you what is the worst thing. The worst thing is to do it the world's way. The world's way means that the most dominant one in the marriage is the one who makes the decision. The world's way is the overbearing one, rules the marriage. The world's way is that the most calculating, conniving one twists things to get their own way. That doesn't sound like a good marriage, does it? Or the world's way is the one who, who holds the other to ransom gets their way. So, for example, I'm not going to kiss you until you shave that awful thing off your face. Now... I don't know where I would have ever heard that before. Uh, this, this is the world's way, whether it, whether it be the man or whether it be the woman who is the most domineering. But that is not God's way. God's way is for husband and wife to choose to honour the Lord. And it's not about asserting one's own power, it's not about one demanding one's own way. What is fitting in the Lord is for the wife 
to forego her way and let her husband lead. And that's what it means to submit. But let me be really clear here. This is not a husband domineering his wife and forcing his wife to submit. This is an example of Christ in the heart of the wife and meekness and humility that we talked about a couple of weeks ago coming through. Because the Christian wife has taken off self and put on Christ, she chooses to submit to her husband. And this is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing to give up of self, to give honour and to give leadership to the other. This is a beautiful thing. But it's very ugly when either the husband or the wife put themselves first and demand their rights. And how ugly it is when a husband dominates as if his wife is beneath him. Or, or when a wife stands on her digs and says, well, I'm not going to take this. I'm, I'm deciding this for myself. The thing is, God chose the marriage relationship to be a metaphor, to be an image of the relationship between Christ and his church. And this is why marriage is such an important issue, not only in the church, but in society. Because even marriage in society is meant to be an image of, of what it means for Christ, of the relationship between Christ and the church. And we look forward to this time, don't we? When we, the saints of Jesus Christ, men and women, will be presented to Christ as his bride, holy and spotless, dressed in white. But just as we, men and women, husbands and wives, boys and girls, just as all of us submit to Christ... Wives submit to husbands. Now, during the week, I, I rang Mark at Beer War, not, not Beer War. Uh, I've been told very clearly, not, it's not Beer War, it's Beer War. And I rang Mark to say good day. Mark, Mark and his wife, um, Sue, they visited here a couple of times, and I just hadn't talked to him for a while, so I rang him. And uh, they listen to our Bush Disciples messages uh, pretty much every week. And, um, and they pray for us, I think, every day. Isn't that humbling that, that there's these people over at Beer War, over in Sunshine Coast there, praying for this little church every day. And um, if you, I know you'll be listening again. Hello. And uh, that means a lot to us as a church. Does everyone want to say Hello. I don't know if you heard that. Hopefully you did. Anyway, um, when I told Mark what we're going to be studying today, I, I sort of made an offer and I said, I can personalise it a bit for you if you like. And I, I, may have, I, I may have led him to believe that I was going to say, Sue, submit to Mark. But I, I think we'll, we'll personalise it like this. Mark loves Sue and do not be harsh with her. You know, some folk get all offended and hot under the collar with the words, wives, submit to your husbands. But the greatest cost and the greatest service is actually reserved for the husbands. Verse 19 says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And not many of us realise just how much this 
is really commanding of us. What sort of love are husbands commanded to have for their wives? In the Greek, it, it's not the erotic love. <laughs> it's not that sort of love. And it's not even the friendship love, although both of those are very much needed within a marriage. Husbands and wives, you are to be lovers and friends for sure. But the kind of love that he's commanding husbands to have for their wives here is the sort of love that Christ has for his church. It's the love that gives of self and it always puts the other first. It's not a selfish love. It's the sort of love that costs us. It's the sort of love that where I'm not looking to see what I can get out of this relationship. It's about how can I love this person and give this person the best. And so when a husband in grace sacrifices of himself to cherish his wife, that's the sort of love we're talking about. It's a sacrificial love. And when we realise this, that the phrase, and do not be harsh with them, that's pretty redundant really. Because if as a husband I am loving my wife in this self-giving, self-sacrificing way, harshness doesn't even enter into it. And when a husband is loving his wife and giving himself for her, that's the sort of husband it's not hard to submit to. So, let's move on. Next comes a word to the children. Uh, now, every commentary that I read all agree that, that this is a word to miners, uh, not, not gold miners or coal miners. Uh, it's, a, it's a word to children who haven't grown up yet. So, for example, my sons continue to be my children, but they're not children. Right? So it's not talking to them. This is about little people. Um, and if you've noticed lately, I, my sons aren't little anymore. I've been looking up to them for a lot of years. They've moved on to start their own lives. They're married now with their own children. Uh, they've become adults in their own right. I am no longer responsible for controlling my children. I'm no longer responsible for disciplining my children or directing my children. I was, I was about to say, that's your job, Lauren. <laughs> no, I won't say that. No. Ooh. It's okay. I can edit that out. Uh, but for children who are still under the authority of their parents, the word is obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Now, this is actually amazing stuff. Paul is writing to a church and in that culture... Children were basically counted as nobodies, and yet he's talking to them. Children are included in this. Children are not ignored. They're not looked down upon as nobodies. And children can be Christians too. And it's been a delight. Just in the kids' story, as, as some of our kids are growing up and hearing them answer questions in, in the kids' stories, and I'm presuming this is happening in, in Sunday school as well, Bush Kids, just you can see their own faith flourishing and growing, and it's a delight, isn't it? A true delight. And children can be Christians too. And children can take off the old rebellious self and put on Christ too. 
And the word to Christian children is obey your parents in everything. Uh, not because they're always right. Be well, although as far as you're concerned, they are. Um, but, but because it pleases the Lord. And if you want to love Jesus, then obey your parents. That pleases the Lord. And there's also a word here to parents, or at least it's addressed to the fathers because they're usually the main disciplinarians. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And I'm not sure I was always good at that. As parents, and particularly as dads, our job is to bring up our children and to train our children in the way of the Lord. But some parents are never happy with their kids and their kids are left feeling nothing I do is ever good enough. I think that's what he's getting at here. Don't exasperate your children. Don't just continue to ride them and be hard on them. Let's never be that sort of parent. Take joy in your children and love them and encourage them and don't leave them feeling exasperated. Righto. Now at this point, there's a bit of a change for us. Um, and I want us to understand the letter here is still addressing households. Because back then, they might have been, the, the more wealthy households might have been able to afford to have their own slave. Cool, having a slave at home to do the washing up and the wiping up and, and stuff. And, and the slave would live with them in their homes. Now, now this is going to be a bit different for us. And so we might, in our minds, we start thinking in terms of employer and employees. And yes, there's a lot of valid stuff for us to learn here. But there's even more for us to learn here. See, none of us here have slaves. And none of us here are slaves. Although when, when um, in my teenage years, there was a bit of a saying amongst teenagers and often amongst brothers and sisters, you'd say, oh, do such and such. And the response would straight away come, what did your last slave die of? And then it didn't take very long for, a, for a, an appropriate response, disobedience, right? Does, does anyone remember that, that sort of interaction in there? Oh, you remember it? Scott remembers it? Lauren knows it too, yeah. It's, it was good, it was good. It doesn't happen anymore, does it? No, no, it's a thing of the past. You can bring it back again if you like, it was good fun. But, but, what, so, but none of us here are slaves or were slaves. But what we cannot escape learning here, and this is what really comes through to me, is how thoroughly transforming it is to become a Christian. And this is going to become self-evident as, as we go. But before we do, I do, do just need to say this. I need to be really clear and say, Paul is not saying that slavery is a good thing. He's not saying it's a good thing to own slaves or to be a slave. And anyone who says that the scriptures promote slavery are being mischievous and dishonest. What's happening here is Paul is addressing a pagan culture and slavery was very much a part of that pagan culture. But when he is speaking to slaves who became Christians, what would he tell them? I'll tell you what he didn't say. He didn't say, Christ has set you free, so run away and enjoy your freedom. He didn't say that. In fact, it was quite the opposite. 
But in this topic of slavery, although it's not really a topic of slavery, it's about being a Christian. And in this case, it's about being a Christian who happens to be a slave. And in this area, he acknowledges that some have earthly masters that they have to obey. But he turns our thoughts, the thoughts of everyone, the thoughts of all of us here today, to the fact that we have Christ who is our heavenly master. That's what it means for Jesus to be Lord. He is as much or more our Lord than what the slave master was of the slave. I suppose when, when it comes to earthly masters, sometimes they could be cruel, they could be harsh, they could be demanding and unreasonable. But Paul says to these Christian slaves to obey them. And, and don't just do it while they're watching. Now, for those of us who have been employees in, in medium to large workplaces, uh, you would be aware that some employees, they're not very good employees. Some can be lazy, some can be backbiting, some can be snide, some just useless or just destructive in the workplace. They put in the bare minimum of effort. But when the boss is around, you'd think that they were the model employee. Now, some, straight away, you can probably think of somebody who's just like that. Or if you're a boss, you might even have had an employee like that. But, and it's often the way that those who can talk the talk but really aren't skilled and can't do anything, but they know the right language and they sell themselves as being, yeah, pretty, pretty smart and good, they're the ones who get promoted while the ones who really know their stuff but don't promote themselves don't get noticed. Well, it was no different for slaves. And what Paul is telling these slaves is whatever you do, work heartily, right? Put in the effort as if you're working for Christ, as if you're working for the Lord and not for men. But what, why would you do that if you're a slave? What's the advantage for, for the slave to work hard and not slack off even when the boss isn't watching? I mean, there's no reward in it for them. What's, what are they going to get out of it? They're not even getting paid. Well, what Paul's saying is, is this itself, is being a witness for Christ. We have a master who is watching. And no matter what your job that you're in, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that none of us have it as bad as being a slave. But even for a slave, as a slave, there was nothing to inherit. They don't get any of the inheritance when their boss dies. When their master dies, it all goes to the son. There's nothing in it for them. But there was a very great reward, the greatest inheritance of all. They are to work knowing that from the Lord, they will receive a heavenly inheritance because they're serving Christ. Did you know that you in your workplace, are serving Christ. And what better reason do you need to work hard? What better reason do you need to endure when the hardships come? Now, some people feel that to serve Christ in the workplace, they have to become a minister or a pastor or a missionary or a chaplain. 
but in your workplace, you serve Christ. It's about how we conduct ourselves, giving our boss value or giving the customers value, being fair and just, working hard for those who are in authority over us. This is serving Christ. If this was true for the slave, it's true for you as an employee. And verse 25 says, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong that he has done. And there is no partiality. Right? It doesn't matter whether you're a slave or whether you're an employee. It doesn't matter if you're an employer or a sole trader or a slave master. The wrongdoer will be judged by the Lord. There's no favoritism. There's no partiality. And the slaves could take a great deal of comfort in knowing this. There was no slave union. There was no fair work ombudsman for the slaves. If they were being unjustly treated by their masters, they just had to put up with it. Otherwise, they could find themselves beaten or in jail or even executed. But if they are being unjustly treated by their masters, the Lord is the one who will judge. And we can take comfort in this too. If you are being unjustly treated, whether it be in the workplace or whether it be in any other setting, we don't stand up and retaliate. The Lord's got this. The Lord has all of this in hand. But in chapter one verse, sorry, chapter four, verse one, by the way, I'm not sure why anyone would ever put a chapter break in here. Out of all of the places to put chapters in the Bible, this is one of the ones which I just can't see the reasoning why they would have put a chapter break here. It's just totally out of place. But in chapter 4, verse 1, there's a word for the masters. So if you're a slave master, this is for you. Masters, treat your bodden servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. In any society, there's, there's different levels of status and privilege. Some will have a privileged position. Some will have a lowly position. Some will have a good head start in life while others strive and struggle for much of their working life and they, they never get up to where they where those who were given the good head start began from. Battlers will always be doing it tough. While others, it'll be like they've got the Midas touch where everything they, everything they touch just turns into a success for them. Some people will have the personality and the ability to be able to manage staff and do it well and, and they'll climb the tree and they'll be given positions of, of honour and privilege Others might not have that ability. They might be good with their hands, but not able to manage staff, and so they never climb that tree. And the word here is, if I'm in a privileged position, like being a master, or like being a business owner, or like being an employer, or like being a manager, whatever we do, however we use our privilege, however we use our position, however we use our authority, do it justly, do it fairly, knowing that we also have a master who is in heaven. 
And God cares very greatly how you treat the staff who are under you. Let's wrap it up. I said right at the beginning that that what kept coming through to me in this reading is that we take off self and we put on Christ. And when we do that, we truly are taking off self and putting on Christ. It's, It's not like putting a mask of Christ on over the top of the true self. We've taken the true self off. There is no self here. Living as disciples of Jesus in our homes is being Christ-like in our homes. It's putting the other first. Wives are submitting to their husbands because this is fitting in the Lord. Husbands are loving their wives sacrificially and, and, and giving themselves for their wife, for the Lord. Children obeying their parents because it pleases the Lord. Fathers are not discouraging their kids and they're not provoking them and and, and pushing them and pushing and pushing them and and making them feel like they're never good enough because that's not the way of Christ. But for me, it's when it comes to what it's talking, the advice that it gives to the slaves or the commands it gives to slaves, this is where it really strikes home. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine being a slave and you become a Christian And in Christ, we have freedom. But freedom in Christ doesn't always equate to present physical freedom. Like Paul wrote this letter from prison. He wasn't in freedom. Our freedom that we do have from Christ is freedom from sin and freedom from self. We've taken off the old self and we've put on Christ. And the reward that we have is the inheritance that we're working towards. We're looking forwards to this. Freedom in Christ does not mean freedom in this world. For some, that will come as a grace of God. In fact, one Simus, we're going to read about him in a week or two um, at the end of this letter. He's one of Paul's brothers in Christ that Paul handpicked to deliver this letter. Now, Onesimus is a slave. Uh, the bloke who owns him is a bloke by the name of Philemon. Now, that name might be familiar to some of you because there's a book in the Bible called Philemon. And the chances are that as Onesimus is delivering this letter to the Colossian church, the chances are that in his satchel, he has a second letter written to his slave owner called Philemon. The chances are pretty high that both those letters got delivered at the same time. And that letter that Paul wrote to Philemon is Paul sending Onesimus back to Philemon, saying, here's your runaway slave. Uh, he used to be useless. Now he's useful. Because that's what Onesimus actually means. It means useful. Um, Because now he's a Christian. And he's sending him back to his master. And and Paul is begging his master, begging Philemon to set him free. But even if Philemon didn't choose to set him free as a slave, Onesimus is still special because he belongs to Jesus. 
And even as a slave, even as someone who the world would say, you don't deserve freedom, you don't own freedom, you're not one of us. Even as the most lowly, serve, they serve Christ by working honourably in whatever position they find themselves. And this goes for us too. Even the most lowly of us honour Christ as we serve him in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. Now this, this is really challenging stuff. To take off self and to put on Christ is to become like Christ. It's not the mask. It's a true becoming like Christ. And it's a shift of focus. We, we shift our focus from our worldly circumstances and, and the way things would appear in the world and our focus then turns to our heavenly future and the reward that we have in heaven. Only a few paragraphs earlier, in verse 11, Paul said, Here there is not Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And this is, this is what, it, what it is about. This is, we talked about this in relation to the church. We love one another and serve one another in the church so much because Christ is in each and every one of you in the church. And that's what it's like in the home as well. Christ is in the Christian slave. Christ is in the Christian slave master. Christ is in the believing husband and Christ is in the believing wife. Christ is in the believing children. Christ is in the Christian employer and in the Christian employee. By his Holy Spirit, Christ is in every Christian in every part of our lives. By his Spirit, Christ is in you and Christ is in me. In the kingdom of God, no one is greater than the other. And so with thankfulness to Christ, we serve him in this life, looking forward to his coming glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that, that you have set us free and that this, this freedom, this future glory we look forward to is something that no one can take from us. We thank you for the coming kingdom. We thank you for the Christian fellowship and for our families and for our households. And Lord, we pray as we, as we live in this world as your children and in our families and in our workplaces, Lord, help us to honour you in the way that we put others before ourselves and the way that we work in all settings to give you glory. Lord, help us to honour you in all that we do. Amen.